have the chance to become part of something much bigger than yourself. What do you know about me? Everything. A new species is being born. Help me guide it. Shape it. Lead it. Time for the tour. You have no idea what I'd give to feel normal. Welcome to season two of the Marvel Cinematic University. I am, of course, your professor, Mario Rivera, and joining me is the marvelous doctoral student, Slycone MC, who has a bachelor's in the MCU, a master's in the multiverse, and is going for their dissertation in Marvel Studies. Hello, Sly. How are you doing? I am doing great. So excited to be back for term two. That's right. Season two, kicking it off strong, and I'm so excited to be here with you one of my favorite things about this show is that uh, i'm discovering all of these movies like 10 to 30 years late (laughs) and uh so sometimes it's great because like we know a movie is terrible going in and so like you have that expectation uh and sometimes you watch a movie and go wow this movie is great. And everybody's like, yeah, we know. We've, we've been saying that for years. And uh, this was one of those movies for me. Where I was like, wow, X-Men First Class? Great movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, especially, especially with everything that sort of led up to it, I would say. And, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, a lot, you could say that about a lot of movies that I feel like we've all said thought were bad, which we've had that discussion over the last mm-hmm. season of, like, People really disregard the Hulk. I personally really enjoyed it. I thought it was a character piece. I think you had really some. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought you had yeah. some interest in it as well. You clearly found redemption in Elektra, and I don't know how, but you know what? Gorn Visnik, uh, you know, shout out to him. Might as well restart season two with it just saying his name out loud. Um, so gotta love that. Um, but then we obviously have our stinkers. Like, we're clearly not massive fans of the Punisher series. Um, Warzone was standing. It was actually kind of fun. Um, by the way, I keep hitting the microphone with my headphones. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's just fun to go back and revisit some of these characters and see how they're utilized and where they're going to be possibly in the future. And yeah, to go through this with you for the very first time has been very, very fun. So very excited as we continue through season two, um, which we're going to be having some more guests. So definitely check out for those. But let's go ahead and get into it in our very first class. Of course, yes. We are talking about X-Men First Class 2011. We kind of jumped. Uh, we're going time travel. I think we did Ghost Rider, which we thought was a 2009 movie. I think it's a 2012 movie. Whatever. Don't worry about time travel. Don't worry. Everybody had it listed different. So yeah. who cares? Who cares? Because we're actually going to talk about a good movie now, which, of course, we're talking about X-Men First Class directed by Matthew Vaughn, who you people would know from Kick-Ass and the Kingsman series. He's a big um Guy Ritchie person who's sort of came up in that elk. Um, this, of course, is actually, if I'm not mistaken, some of our first female writers on any of the movies. I've just been female producers. I think I've listened to that, right? 
one female director before. Female right? director, that is correct. Yes. Uh-huh. But I think this might be our first writer. Yeah, and so we got two. Yes, and they've done some pretty pretty cool things. Uh, we have Ashley Miller, of course, uh, wrote some of the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which if you're a huge Terminator fan, I know that there's fans of that series, um, has gone on to do some other things as well. Uh, Zach Stentz, who I just put down... <laughs> Agent Cody Banks because it made me laugh and I think he's working on some newer things nowadays but I just wanted to put that under there and to me the goat uh Jane Goodman because Jane Goodman has made uh not only written the Kick-Ass movie the Kingsman series Stardust and is working on the Little Mermaid and two of the X-Men movies that we'll be talking about this season so shout out to them they've written some of the best stuff um I will say out of all of the movies um, that we've talked about this this time. So very excited. Uh, of course, studio is Fox Studio still. They have not sold off the rights yet to the studio <laughs> at this point. They're still trying their hardest. And of course, this movie stars James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, Kevin Bacon, and like so many more people because goddamn, this cast is hot. That's all I got to say. This cast, just too many. Zoe Kratt, like too many. There's just too many. Nicholas Holt everybody so where can you find this movie of course right now you can find it on disney plus if you have any of the subscriptions which you can watch in 4k um which thank you it looks gorgeous still to this day very happy about wow. that yeah and now my favorite part which sly's getting off easy this week sly can you please tell me <laughs> tell me the plot of this, this movie? is a short one it is a short um, one yeah We'll see how this goes. Mm-hmm. Of course, as usual, I am dry reading this plot. We'll see. All right. Before Charles Xavier and Eric Leshner took the names Professor X and Magneto, they were two young men <laughs> discovering their powers for the first time. Not all they were discovering. Before they were arch nemeses, they were closest to friends. That's one way to put it. Working together with other mutants. Some familiar, some new, to stop the greatest threat the world has ever seen. In the process, I, okay, hold on, we're taking a quick sidebar here. Uh, I've been spending way too much time with Canadians, because I just had to fight my brain to not say process instead of process. Uh, But on that note, in the process, a rift between them opened, which began the eternal war eternal that's a word choice between magneto's brotherhood and professor x's x-men thank you 20th century box yeah so i guess i mean yeah that's a decent one i guess i love that this one did not say anything really about the plot overall but still told you what the themes of the movie were about which of course is the sort of forming of the x-men the forming of eric and of course charles relationship that really is what this movie is and yeah i guess if you have a bunch of writers come up with the log line of the film you probably write a pretty good plot so uh good on you 21st century fox um would be- i do gotta say mm-hmm. um there was one comic character that uh my dumbass brain thought they were referring to for a hot second. Yeah. Uh, of course, we open this movie, and we're just kind of dropped into all of these moments, right? Yes. And the first one, they're like, they're just calling him Eric, right? Yes. And uh, we all know that I am a huge fan 
of the one and only Kat Dennings. So every time they yeah. said Eric, I was like, oh, Selvig? That's not right. <laughs> That's the astrophysicist from Thor. Yes. <laughs> not the Eric we're talking about today. No, not Eric Lenshire, I believe is the way you say it. With two R's, which is awesome. Um, but of course, the comic book characters in this movie. I just said the X Men because there's a lot of characters. I mean, we can try. There's Magneto. There's Professor X. There's Ray, uh, Raven, aka Mystique. There is Havoc. Uh, there is uh, Darwin. There is Angel. There is uh, Azrael. There's a ton. There's a ton. There's a there's shit out there. Beast, obviously, which uh, is I think our main. Uh, no, this is our second introduction to this character, at least, at least physically on the screen, played by a different actor. So, um, yeah, all the characters. I did not remember his name, so that reveal <laughs> got me. There you go. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Oh, really? So that means you had to wait like majority of the movie <laughs> to get it. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Ah. <sighs> Well, here we go. We get to, we're going to move on to the Stanley seminar, and we're actually going to talk about our thoughts and feelings about the film. Sly, this is your first time seeing uh, X Men's First Class. What did you think of X Men's First Class? This pretty damn good movie. I I don't I didn't really have any expectations for this going in. I was just you know here to experience it, right? And I was kind of blown away. I It's definitely up there. And I think one of my favorite movies that we've done for this show, you know, I think it's a great way to kick off season two. But looking back on season one, I'm, I was like trying to grapple with like, what did I enjoy more? You know, we watched a lot of great movies in season one, right? We had the Blades, the Spider-Mans. Um, I mean, Electra, super up there for me. I know it's a bad movie, but I enjoyed it greatly. Um, I liked Fantastic Four. Four. It's all good. Right? Like, there were some bad movies that we had a blast with as well. But this was a good movie, a solid movie. And I just loved it so much. I love a period piece. I love the found family trope i love a well-used montage they were just like pressing all of the buttons my only thought like halfway through was hmm what if they told the story non-linearly and then by the end i was like ah no i see why they chose to tell it in a linear fashion but other than that like i i mean i have some thoughts and feelings and opinions about this movie but overall like damn this is a good movie <laughs> i think that was my overall feeling uh revisiting this after so many years it, that the the movie ultimately is sort of a restart for the x-men it's sort of like going back to basics of what what we basically care about which is a team a family if you will and this was the delight to get through, especially when you um, d develop the team. And this one, they're sort of like going out and searching for members and bringing them on in. And then them sort of coming together in certain different ways, either both antagonistic, but also, you know, loving and friendly, having fun. You know, I love the scene specifically where they're, um, it's kind of a cheesy scene, but it kind of makes sense in the context of this sort of like, 
they think they're calling themselves spies, right? So they're like working with the government. So they're giving themselves code names for their spy stuff. And so their code names ends up being, of course, the names that they refer to them going forward as X-Men. Um, I thought it's it's silly, but it's really fun too at the same time. And I love the charm of the, the film uh, overall in terms of how 60s it feels. Um, it is interesting to see different takes on characters, especially different points in their life. So like, for instance, with... Uh, Charles Xavier sort of being the sort of groovy, like picking up girls in the bar using his like his his, uh, his abilities um, mixed in with, of course, to me, my favorite performance. No, exactly. Exactly. To me, uh, the force of nature in which is uh, uh, Michael Fassbender as the Nazi killing uh, Magneto in this movie, which is really wild. Um, definitely cool to see these characters are where they try to reform them in a lot of ways, because they could have honestly just kept going in a totally new direction, and I probably would have went for it. I know that we'll talk later, obviously, when we get to other movies and how they tried to bridge the gap between them, and I don't know, um, after a certain point, does it work? But for now, this is such a good starting point, especially for people that were like, you know what? Maybe they didn't watch those last movies. This is a good place to sort of jump right on in. Um, but yeah, I mean. And that was my first impression, right? You mm -hmm. open with yes. the same opening as X1. Yes. I, I went back through my notes mm -hmm. from X1, and I had the exact same, like, Poland 1944. And then I, like, put a little asterisk, like, this is the same note i had on x1 so like that same setup but then following such a different yes. period of time was so interesting i was wondering about that how you were gonna take that because i know that that was such a focal point of when we talked about the first movie and how it sort of like moved us in a little bit to see how they you know continue on with through that trend and then added a little bit more to that what were your thoughts about adding more with obviously sebastian stan who is, is this wait hold on before I, I just said sebastian stan sebastian shaw my bad <laughs> okay sebastian um, shaw i do have yeah a sebastian stan i know we it's a running <laughs> bit that i can connect like all of these movies back to Sebastian Stan. Uh -huh. I don't remember who, but somebody in this movie was also in the TV show I'm Dying Up Here. Okay. Which the pilot episode, Sebastian Stan plays the character who dies, who sets up like the rest of that show. All right. So there is a tie back to Sebastian Stan. I, I mean, I would have tied it back to, uh, uh, what was it? It was uh, Jennifer Lawrence was in a movie with Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt's in Endgame. That's how I tied it up, mm -hmm. you know, but so you just, <laughs> but not Sebastian Shaw and uh, that connective tissue for Magneto and his growth, obviously. Um, what, what were your thoughts on the way they continued that story early on, all the way leading up through his arc? Yeah, the way they approached his character was so interesting because it, it felt like they they put they did it in good faith right this character felt well-rounded and structured in a compelling way um and i'm pretty sure none of the actors who played him in this movie are actually jewish which you know could be improved but the way the story was presented felt like it was done with care 
Um, obviously, I'm not the person to say that for sure or not. But um, that the the kid who played the not the baby Eric, but the young Eric, yes, killed it. That performance, I was really impressed by. Yeah, especially uh, seeing because we're we're connecting to a character from ten years ago too at this point because that movie came ten years prior, and for that person to carry on that same weight, um, which was interesting. I was trying to see; it looked like a lot of the shots look exactly the same. I'm not completely sure if some of it is just reused stuff, but it felt seamless that when we got to the Sebastian Shaw, like um, the scene where he's talking to him and trying to make him do something with a coin, um, that it was a different person. It felt very seamless. And yeah, I, I think they added, they added more to that story. And I thought that they did a pretty solid job. Um, and then using that connective tissue with the coin later in the movie, I think is also pretty, pretty crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Um, when it comes to obviously establishing characters that we've known already. So we know professor X, Eric, and I would even say Mystique and not necessarily Beast. We kind of get like a glimpse of Beast early on. But let's just say those three characters because they're probably the focal point of the movie. What did you th- think about the new introduction to both Mystique as what we know right now versus what you were experiencing previously? It's a little, very different. Yeah, it is so different how they tackled her character. I feel like her character in this was handled so much better right it it felt like like i didn't know it was mostly written by women but it i i felt it that it was like everything about her story was the idea of um you know changing herself to fit in to assimilate to use her appearance to get ahead but it's still hiding who she is and that that story of like um, body positivity and acceptance or whatever made it feel less gross when we get the like final form full you know and I feel like every time we've gotten like full body shots of Mystique in previous films it felt kind of gross but in this one I actually loved that the pan of her legs and the way um just the way it was shot felt more empowering than degrading than we've seen from her previously. Right. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. I feel like we've less used her as sort of like a henchman object of, we just need to move the plot along. And she is just this beautiful looking creature thing that changes you know shape. And it's very quiet through majority of the movies and then has a, a turn where she, you know, the relationship between uh, Eric at that point is she gives him up and whatever. Right. But with this, at the very least, it establishes that she has a character. She's well-rounded. She's thinking about these things. She's conscious of these things. You know, she has a place and she has thoughts until, you know, when she meets, obviously it's, it is rooted with both the introduction of Charles and also Eric, but at the same time, I still find her to have more, her most, her, her own agency overall. And I think that made her character far more interesting because any time that I've ever seen Mystique before this was I am scary and I'm the bad guy and I work for the bad guy. Like literally that's a, like she has a skull. Uh, the, her character like wears like a white thing and has like a skull at the bottom. Like like that's her belt buckle. And I'm like, OK, uh, this is definitely a different version of that character. And I'm curious how this version may connect to the one that we see in the future. Um, only future movies. 
to find that out. Um, but yeah, I thought they did handled this version of this character and made something new and made me interested in actually Mystique as a character for the movies, at least. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we already we already love Professor X. Yes. Obviously. It's Professor X. Yes. And seeing him as like a young, flirty, like it's fun. Uh, and getting a different perspective on him was really nice that he's not the like serious, like mm-hmm. old wise, you know, kind of d- a disconnected figure that yes. we get in previous movies. Um, but also everything they did with Eric was just like, like in X1, you're like, oh, I, I see where you're coming from. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Do I agree with the way you're going about things? Absolutely not. But I get your perspective. And this movie just doubles down on that. You mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are you buy in. You agree with him. And some of the choices he makes, I'm like, yeah, I I see why you made that choice. Yeah. And that makes him so much more compelling. Yes. To an already so compelling character. To round that out was like I'm like, I shouldn't be rooting for you. I know who you've become, but also, yeah, fucking flick that coin at that dude. <laughs> Do it. Like, yeah. Right? No, 100%. And I feel like the connective tissue between this and, say, the X-Men in 2000, I feel it. I feel I feel the same way how I feel about them. Like, yeah, you're right. This sh- people are shitty, but I... obviously they go about it the wrong way but at the same time it's like yeah if you have a villain where i can sympathize with what you're trying to say and a lot of that has to do with the lines and imagery that you show and obviously it's it's and the way they connect history into this series especially going forward now Mm -hmm. going forward now we're just we're disconnected um so every movie going forward we're gonna have something to do with the way that the world is reflected um specifically at the time so definitely excited for how that goes forward um but ultimately yeah you're right i think that these are all the fun things about these characters that we know and love but moving on to the characters that we don't know um what were some of your favorites of the new introductions that we got either both on good and bad sides hear me out okay okay going back to the scene where we we see them all goofing off and then our antagonists show up um, I was so ready to be attached to Darwin, right? And then we sit. I, we were gonna, I knew we were going to have this. I knew we were going to have this. And the, I don't remember who the dude was, but he makes a comment like um, about them to be enslaved. And the film hard cuts to the one black person on screen and I went oh no oh no and then yeah five seconds later R.I.P. and I was just like really I man this is still one of the most contentious thing about this movie is the character that most likely is supposed to survive this gets brutally murdered I will say this is the one time where I was like, okay, I get how he possibly died, but it doesn't, it still hurts and doesn't make sense because he just so happens to be the one token black character in the movie that has to be in this. And then not only that, the second one ends up joining the bad guys. 
And so then you just mostly have just nothing but white people on your team. And I feel like that was like the biggest mistake that this movie made in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, that is still one of the most contentious thing is the, the, the way they handled Darwin specifically in his death scene. Um, yeah, it's still absolute bullshit <laughs> that they got away with it. Yeah. And I, something they couldn't reconsider. You know, this is just 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. And when we're looking at especially the historical context of this, be it's a period piece, right? It's about um, the Cold War. It's made in 2011. But also, like, looking at the history of, like, the concept, the construct of race, and you have one of your characters very distinctly Jewish, which historically was considered a non-white race, right? And to not grapple with that at all, and also to kill off, like, just, that was the one I was like, ah, really? Really? That's the choice we're making here. But, yeah. What other? We have, um. So we have Banshee. Banshee's another character. Griffo? What was that? Banshee. Ban uh, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the red dude. Is oh, Ezreal. Yeah, Ezreal. Um, which... I don't know. Can you tell who he might be related to? <laughs> um, I don't know. So I'll actually say this now because I don't know. I don't. The movie's never handled this. And do you remember? I think we, I think I brought it up during X two. Um, the only other blue character in this movie is, of course, Mystique. And then you have him, right? In the comics, they are the official parents of Nightcrawler. Now. In the current oh. movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the current movie timeline, as we know now, I mean, they meet. Uh, I mean, Mystique and Nightcrawler meet in the you know nineteen or two thousands. They don't have any mention of it whatsoever. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I actually don't remember if this is reflected in this movie, but I at least <laughs> wanted to. I don't actually. I think it's not. But I still wanted to, at the very least, bring that up to you. So you like you so like. Hey, guess what? The only blue character, the only demon looking character, makes Nightcrawler. <laughs> Um, which is a way worse story in the comic book, personally. Um, it has a lot to do with like, um, like uh, the 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 hidden Satan trope of like this woman meets this really nice man. He turns out he's the devil and impregnates her, and then that you know that's the whole story. Not a satanic panic story. No, it's real gross, real weird. Um, but of course, yeah, this is their version of at least those characters. Gross and weird. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, fucking Shaw and Frost. Yeah. Disgusting. Yes. I, everything about that, I was just. God, we gotta talk about Emma Frost. Mm. Is it time? Is it time mm. to talk about the X-Men timeline? Because we could talk about that. Talk about Emma Frost. All right. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> What's going on with Emma Frost? <laughs> yes, let's talk about Emma Frost because. Uh, if you remember from our Wolverine X-Men uh, Origins episode, uh, we decided, you know what, we're going to track the timeline. I actually created this little document here. So you can see uh, I have the original timeline listed. I, have, I of course, have X-Men on there, X2, X-Men Last Stand, and X-Men Origins. This is so I can keep track of information because it's not going to make sense. And this is one of our first instances of it not making sense. 
1979, Emma Frost is a teenager, if we remember. She is one of the captured mutants in the, this, uh, I think, Five Mile Island, I think is what it was called. And she's a child, relatively. It, this movie takes place in 1962. <laughs> and she is a grown-ass woman <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what the fuck? What the hell happened there? All right, cool, whatever. So that's the first weirdness of this fucking timeline already that we need to establish. Here's a few other things. I don't know if you knew this. Um, uh, no, that's that's going to reflect later in another question. There is another fuck up, but I'm saving that for the pop quiz section. And then we'll talk about that afterwards. But yeah, the first major thing here is like, what the fuck? Because this movie takes place way before any of the movies that we've seen thus far. And so I will be adding that for the next episode when we talk about the Wolverine. So keep tuned how also mm -hmm. striker i assume this is striker's father not jason okay. i think that would make yeah a lot more sense i think this makes i think it makes more sense because you know future knowledge of other movies that this i think this is his father so sure that it kind of lines up okay so we have the father then we have striker and then we have jason which is his son that we meet in x2 um, and he, I guess he's also an X-Men Origins. <laughs> so, um, but, 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 but keep in mind that is only about, about 20 years removed from X-Men Origins, which is 1979. So we'll, we'll talk about that as we continue on through the journey through the X-Men movies. There is, uh, well, all right. yeah, yeah, that's, that's about that. All right. I, th I think that's all the major fuck ups because I had them written down one point and then I lost that document. But anyways, those are the major ones that I noticed in media. It's like Emma Frost is not the same Emma Frost that we know in 10 year 20 years from now. So we'll see how that works. Um, but we also meet another character uh, brother in this movie, which I don't know if you caught on, which was Alex Summers. He is Scott Summers brother, Scott mm. Summers, you know, fucking my favorite man, uh, Cyclops. So we actually meet him. <laughs> we meet him here. He uh, uh, in the comic books has like that, that that circle thing that he projects. Brother? That's his brother. That's right. Again, okay. We'll find out because Scott Summers is twenty. <laughs> no, no, he's like seventeen. We'll give in twenty years from now, and then we have this one. So keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind. Forget what you know. Keep that in mind. Oh, by the way, in 20 years, uh, we know that he looks like Patrick Stewart. Again, never mind. Never mind this stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, let's see here. Um, overall, how about the use of the plot of actually uh, it mixing with history? What did you find? What do you think about that? The way that they're able to combine a real life crisis that happened and sort of move that along with the plot. What were your thoughts on that? I love a period piece, right? Already well-established this episode. I love an alternate history. I love, like, historical fiction. And so to see this universe that we're already so established in that so closely parallels ours, to have that use, like, direct quotes, right? And, like, address a very real historical... And we've already seen glimpses of it, right? Alluding to historical events or depicting historical events. But for them to dive into this time period and really dissect what it would mean for a world where mutants exist 
for these events to happen is just so fascinating i love how they can just like pull the strings on what little tiny changes they can make that cascade such a big event right no agreed especially with what we know currently in this world uh, uh we a lot of it's not really explored it's really just whatever the modern time of it all but i love the fact that like they used a real life event but to be able to make it in a way where it's the x-men's successful quote-unquote first mission um while also seeing how the world will respond to them and they don't respond in kind i mean they literally both governments tried to blow them both up and so yeah it's very interesting to see how, in a lot of ways, it proves certain people's points um, that we're, you know, worried about. So, yeah, no, I found that very interesting, and I thought that was a smart way. If they're going to base it in the 60s, uh, how are they going to propel the plot forward and use time to their advantage? I was very curious. Um, is it successful in the future? <laughs> we're about to find out. We're about to find out. Um, I... I love an origin story in theory. Yes. I don't always love the practice, mm -hmm. but something I really enjoy is when we get the origin stories after the mm -hmm. first occurrence yes. and how they connect all those dots and seeing this be like the reveal, right? To the world that mutants exist. Yes. And with the knowledge of how it's impacts the future mm -hmm. i think just makes it so much more compelling because like you go through this and you know they have to be revealed at some point yes yeah absolutely um well we kind of discussed that this movie pretty much in our opinion holds up for the most part i think it's beautiful uh in terms of the cinematography some of the cgi i think holds up really well the makeup with uh, mystique is pretty great. They apparently used a lot of the same prosthetics as they used for Rebecca Romaine's version, which makes sense because they... Oh, what did you think of uh, the cameo of Rebecca Romaine showing up in the bedroom scene <laughs> with uh, Michael Fassbender? That, that whole scene I have questions about. Oh, yeah. We should talk, the yeah. cameo. Very... <laughs> I yeah. enjoyed the cameo, yes. I enjoyed the cameo. Um, oh, let's talk about the other cameo, too. Forgot about him. A uh, little man smoking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, I love a montage. I love Wolverine in a montage. <laughs> Just the immediate fuck off. It's so brilliant. Yeah, it was the perfect use of because uh, they can only use one f word per movie or per PG thirteen movie, right? And it's not in. Yeah, it was perfect. Just to have Wolverine say "fuck off." Perfect use of it. Yeah. 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 And I just love that little fun connected issue. Again, connecting it right back to the X-Men movies with Wolverine. Um, this, of course, uh, it's it's interesting how we go from, like, the last movie that we saw, which was X-Men Origins, and all we saw was just a montage of war. And it's like, what has he been doing in between that? <laughs> He's just, like, hanging out in a bar right somewhere, and then two, uh, two different uh, British people show up and ask him questions, and he's just like, fuck off. Um, I found that be delightful when i first saw it um i also shout out to rebecca romaine who did not have to put almost any prosthetics on this time so good for her, <laughs> oh, good for her. yeah yeah i this movie i i so fully enjoyed the, there were so many great like visual imagery moments mm -hmm. right i talked about the the mystique pan 
the like one full potty shot we get, right? Yes. That I it was so well done. But also, you know, the coin mm. at the end. Mm-hmm. Also, the coin as the visual motif all the way through. Yes. And then also, right after we get the the last coin with the like blood and whatever, right after that, him floating the dude in uh like the cross imagery. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking powerful. Yeah. That blew me away. Just like, oh, (laughs) so good. I thought it was a fun, also a silly, fun thing that Michael Fassbender, though, uh, now just wears that helmet all the time. That's his helmet. (laughs) It is an awesome design. (laughs) I love that he adds to it later. He just adds like the giant horn thing and like looks dope as hell. Um, I love that they, of course, uh, did the accents of the characters of the red all over it um, during that scene as well. Um, Okay, I did bring this up pre-show. But I think we have a contender for a uh, new biggest uh, dom sub relationship. Who's the top? Who's the bottom? And I'm going to say Michael Fassbender is a top and everyone else is a bottom. <laughs> because okay. Michael Fassbender Here. is just a force of, being, force of nature yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. I think he's mostly a top. But when you look at Eric and Charles together, they're so verse. Like, they're so aggressively verse with with each other only. Yes. Every other context. Yes. <laughs> Fast Fender's the fucking top. 100%. <laughs> Um, and that mostly illustrated to me um, in the scene where, and it's the famous, I don't know if you noticed, like, this is fun time because you could actually see some of the memes that come from this movie, which of course is, I like the other you. No, the other you. Perfection. Oh. That was this movie. And to me, that's yeah. that's that's straight top energy as far as I'm concerned. It's like, uh, no, the other you. That's I right. Need, I have a request for yes. all our lovely viewers and listeners. <laughs> I need you to send me all the fanfics and all the memes from this movie. I need all of them. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, we got to put that call out on the Twitter so that way we can have you prepare for it. But yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah. Michael Fassbender, what can you say? Watch the movie Shame. That's my uh, recommendation for people. Uh, no reason. Uh, um, yeah, no, I think I think we're ready to go ahead and move on to our other segment because I think that we can pretty much say how many wonderful things about this movie that we do enjoy. So definitely, definitely check it out. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's move on to drama class. I only picked a few here, and a lot of it is just uh, Eric and Charles for the most part. Of course, we already kind of uh, talked about the scene. Let's go ahead and do that. Uh, do you want it, Do you want to be Eric or <laughs> Logan or Charles Xavier? <laughs> Why don't you do the first and last? Okay. Or you know what? I have a better idea. We'll do. We'll just do the first two, and then I'll insert <laughs> Logan in there. <laughs> There we go. Okay. Uh, um, Do you want me to be first? Okay. Excuse me. I'm Eric Lencher. Charles Xavier. And then insert. (laughs) Let me go fuck yourself. (laughs) Uh, I love it. It's good. It's good. This next one, you want to be Charles or this is, I love this one. Charles or Eric. I mean, I'll 
was gonna do Eric, but if you feel strongly no. about this, I'll let you have it. No, 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 okay. go for it, go for it. <laughs> oh man. I'm pretending to be hurt too. Uh, dramatic. <laughs> oh uh. Us turning on each other. It's what they want. I tried to warn you, Charles. I want you by my side. For brothers, you and I. All together, protecting each other. We want the same thing. My friend, I'm sorry, but we do not. And he's just like all hurt because he got, More he got a brothers. I'm sorry. Yeah. Got no, you know, 100%. <laughs> Ugh. Man, the pain, the pain that Eric felt when he, uh, of course, accidentally pushes the bullet into. Did you see that coming, by the way? Did you see Eric actually being the one? I did not. Yeah, Eric's That's the one. To... That mm -hmm. shocked me. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Eric being responsible for uh, Charles being paralyzed. So, yeah, that, that was interesting. And then moving on to the last one, uh, do you want to do this last one? Take it away. All right, got it. <clears throat> if you're in there, I'd like you to know that I agree with every word that you said. We are the future. But unfortunately, you killed my mother. This is what we're going to do. And this is when he starts <laughs> starting the plot of pushing that fucking coin <laughs> through his head. And it's absolutely terrifying. Uh, Shaw, also, I got to say... Stunning. It was shot. Yeah, with it, well, so good. I have to say, I have to say, Kevin Bacon did a good job as a bad guy. We don't get a lot of good bad guys in the series up till now. All right, so far we've got Magneto, Striker. That's about it for the most part. And I think, hey, he held his own um, for the Hellfire Club. So shout out to that. Yeah. And then shout out for your resurgence in Stranger Things, <laughs> which is a fun reference for you to have. Yes, I will say. So we go into this movie. And it's like the Hellfire Club or whatever. And so I text my good friend Alexis, uh, who is, of course, the comics knowledge base uh, that she is. I was like, uh, like, what's the Hellfire Club? And she goes, the BDSM club? And I was like, the X-Men thing. And she was like, oh, and then here's the reason on the hellfire gala and i was like cool thanks glad uh glad for that thank you appreciate you lovely <laughs> absolutely lovely oh let's go ahead and move on to music room which of course superhero movies of this era remember for their original soundtrack did the movie hold up in terms of music or have any songs that are still bangers today i mean to be honest with you i don't remember a lot of the score but there's only one song that i remember and it's a song because they used it twice. They used it twice, which, of course, is uh, Rose. Right. And then they also used a 60s song. I don't know who's the I forgot. It's like, I like to dream. It's, it's like, oh, my God, I'm gonna look it up. I forgot what it was. My bad. Here, let me look this up. I tried to look up, by the way, the soundtrack for this for like the, the used songs. and I could not find it. The only way I know the song is that it's also in Austin Powers, too. <laughs> It's like one of those like iconic 60, 60 songs that is just like, anyways, doesn't matter. It, I will say, though, the score of the movie I thought was very good, especially with the score that we've had before with the X-Men movies. Um, it was reminiscent of what came before, but was new in a lot of ways. 
And I feel like that's going to be fun um, maybe later because I, I, I don't know if they do this, if they'd find a way to bridge the gap between the two. Because it's not sort of that like the um, symphonic that we've had it before. It's a little different. But overall, I thought it was okay. Hmm? They, um, okay, so I just opened the soundtracks for X-Men yes. First Class on IMDb. Yes. And this is claiming that the hippie hippie shake was on the soundtrack interesting and i do not remember that occurring in this movie and i would know because uh fun little sly lore for all of our lovely people out there in high school uh for a couple months i made it my lifelong goal to make the um god what is their name the Georgia Satellites, I wanted to make them popular again. Of course, known for the one hit under <laughs> Hippie Hippie Shake, but they also did the um, Keep Your Hands to Yourself song. Anyway. Okay, okay. I'm looking at the Austin Powers 2, <laughs> the Spy Shagby soundtrack, trying to find the song, and I can't find it. It's not on this list. I could have swerved. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. All right. Anyways, if you know what the fuck Mario is talking about, let us know. It's the song. Okay, it's the song when Austin Powers goes back in time, and it's the first song you hear when he's back in the sixties. So I get back in the sixties, baby. Yeah. Anyways, we're not talking about Austin Powers. Uh, let's move on to one of my favorite segments, which of course is the return of quiz time. I only have three questions for you because honestly, the fucking trivia was not interesting. Um, there, there, there really wasn't a whole lot other than to say this actor was not was going to be in this movie, which I'm not going to bring up. There's too many people that were up for the roles. But let's do the first question, which we obviously ask every time. Does Stanley have a cameo in this film? Did you find Stanley in this film? I did not find him. <laughs> Are you still not searching for him when you watch these movies? I, 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 I've stopped searching for him, apparently. Um, so I forgot to look, but I didn't see him. Usually when I see him, I go, ah, Stan Lee. Yes. So I didn't have that moment, so I'm going with no. The answer is no, he's not. He uh, said oh the reason why he wasn't in the movie was because they shot it very far away. And so he did not go. So, hey, Fair enough. makes sense. Makes very, very much sense. Um, I will say I think Stanley going forward will very much be prominent because I know that they uh, in a lot of movies want to feature him because this is probably the last time they might eventually have him in a movie. So we we'll, might see him later. Let's see. Okay. So... Oh, shit, I fucked this up, but it doesn't matter. In what X-Men movie have we already seen Moira McTaggart before? That's right. Hmm. This is more of that timeline bullshitty wickiness where, hey, we've seen a character before. They're different. How, how, what is the connective tissue here? It's not played by the same person. They are not played by the same person. They are totally different actors. Okay. If you had to pick out of the X movies, yeah. I don't remember. It's a very small, very small role. Um, a lot of it has to do with the post credits. Is it the person who I asked you who the fuck this is, and you said we'll get to it later? I think so. I think it is. 
Yes. Do you know what movie that was, though? The fucking nerds. Oh, in from from the one with with uh, with Charles or whatever. Yes. Yes. That's Moira McTaggart. (laughs) I didn't know who that was. I just remember you saying. Yes. We'll talk about her later. We'll talk about her later because, yes, Moira McTaggart is, uh, so far we've seen her twice as an FBI agent in this movie and then as a nurse slash doctor <laughs> in later in life. Hey, it's possible. Anything's possible um, in at least the 2000s. So, yes, the, um, that's the connective tissue between the characters. She got some redemption after that and the end line of, like, the CIA is no place for a woman. Fuck that. Fuck that, right? Fuck, Fuck that. that. That was awful. Oh, my God. Um, and, it, yeah, yeah, that whole that whole thing kind of annoying. Which, all right, they made her forget. <laughs> like, that's that's her plot at the end of this movie. Uh, what were your thoughts, actually, before we move on? What are your thoughts on Morgan Retaggart as a character? She just sort of kind of moves the plot along in a lot of ways, just to be a love interest. I like I liked her too, I, but they I ultimately do like nothing with it. The love interest, but yeah, she was just there. She was, you know, the government contact. Mm-hmm. That could have been everyone. I liked that it was her. She, you know, I I liked seeing the ambition of her and it not being like turned into this horrible thing. Yeah, whatever. It's not like the best story I've ever seen, but. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Well, you thought like your first introduction of the character was stripping in front of a car and then running into the the casino. That was a choice. <laughs> no establishing scene choice. beforehand, just but, like you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is what it is. Third question. All right, so you are you are two for two. Third question: Did James McAvoy wear a wig in this movie? <laughs> yes or no? Am I allowed to Google a picture of him in this? Movie? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Look at the poster. Okay. Yeah, you can even look at the picture in the in the in the screen right there. I mean, might be CGI. Michael Fassbender looks like he's wearing a wig in this this photo. Actually, if I look at it. The boy. Yeah. X-Men. Again, adding just the sex appeal to this movie. You got James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender. January Jones. The two of them on screen together. Oh. So beautiful. Especially when he's moving the satellite. Oh, God. So hot. Hmm. I'm looking at this picture and that. Listen, I'm not the wigs expert sure. on Will Throw the After Party. That is solely Marissa, but I've watched all of Marissa's hair in the MCU videos. <laughs> And this kind of looks like a lace front to me. Okay. Final answer. Okay, that one doesn't look like a wig. Hmm. Can my answer be sometimes? Yes, your answer can be sometimes because that answer is correct. So apparently, this is the story behind it. The story behind it was James McAvoy was like, oh, I'm going to play Professor X. So he shaved his head. <laughs> Thinking, oh, I'm gonna play <laughs> Professor X. <laughs> I have to be bald. <laughs> oh, I love that for him. And then they made a comment about 
Mm-hmm. Him balding and oh, that's so that's so good. And so yeah, so they're like Matthew Vaughn, the director, was like, actually, uh, it's a prequel, so it's like you can have hair. <laughs> and so, if I'm not mistaken, I it's beforehand. He just did it. Just straight up, just like good just did it. You know, uh, you know, anything for the role. Right. I mean, man, you should see him in Split. He's jacked in that movie. Uh, anyways, uh, so he wore a wig, I think, or hair extensions is what I read uh, early on, like during the first few months of shooting, and then later the hair grew back, obviously, and so therefore there it might be less wiggy by certain points because um, the movie seemingly takes place over the course of, like, I think a year or so or a short period of time. Uh, time? Yeah, time kind of goes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So definitely took some time. So makes sense. Um, All right. So I'm calling that a three out of three, your first victory of season two. So you got a a, a plus on this quiz. Congratulations. All right. Uh, I guess going to go a little bit to uh, homeroom. Our final thoughts on the movie. Sly, what is your final statement on X-Men First Class. Can you go first? I want to know your final thoughts. I Uh, I think... Yeah, I'll go first. I'll go first. This is the first. This is the first. I'll go first. Um, I think that this movie holds up quite well, quite well, especially given uh, being able to revisit all the past stuff and living past X-Men Origins, which was worse than I remember. So, yes, first class is a breath of fresh air, uh, all tens and purposes. I will say there are definitely moments in the movie that I felt were a little long. It definitely is not a tight 90. Um, at least it doesn't feel that way. And so I feel like there are some things that maybe could have been smoothed out. Um, in between there, like, I don't think I necessarily enjoy the Emma Frost stuff in this movie quite a bit that I think they could have massaged either completely out or moved it in a different fashion. Um, I would have loved more Michael Fassbender killing Nazis. I think that was one of the, my favorite parts of the whole movie. But also, overall, I think that Matthew Vaughn stuck the landing. Yeah, exactly. Overall, I think Matthew Vaughn did a good job of sort of restarting, rebooting these characters that we know and love from the last 10 years and breathing a little bit of new life and new energy. And I wanted to see what the sequel to this movie would have been if they were not going to connect it um, with the other stuff. All I thought the cute little cameos are nice, but I think that if they just left it there, I think they could have got away with it personally. I think for me... I really enjoyed this movie. I really enjoyed X1, right? What The later ones, not, you know... If you want to know our thoughts on this, go watch those episodes, right? But I think it would have been really interesting to get a trilogy of first class, an in-between, and then end on X1. I think if that existed... I would really be into it. Uh, but as as an individual property, I think this stands so well on its own in setting up these characters and building relationships and telling a really compelling story. And all of those connecting threads are just a bonus, right? They're just enhancing your enjoyment. I think this would be a really great f- film to show somebody who's maybe not a huge superhero fan and be like this is what you can do with this genre right and just 
it was so nice to have something that I want to go back and rewatch this movie like three more times. Like I watched it, I enjoyed it. I feel like I missed so much. I want to go back and dissect all these little moments and all these little scenes. And I feel like I haven't gotten a full viewing experience of this. Right. I had one viewing experience. I loved it. I enjoyed it. But I feel like there's so much more there to enjoy that I'm really excited to dive back in and usually these the films we're watching I'm not really thinking about oh I want to rewatch this I'm like oh I really like that scene I really enjoyed this etc etc but I'm not necessarily chomping at the bit to go back to them you already hear folks this is I think a first for MC University Sly wants to go back and watch this movie a few times um, that that is high praise, uh, as far as I'm concerned, as something, as a, and, I, and like I said, I thought this movie was a little long, but there's stuff in here that is very nourishing in terms of the relationships, in terms of the people, even design, the colors, the cl- like all of it actually has a beautiful flavor to it. Get that it, the yellow suit. Oh my God! <laughs> thank you. Please. Uh, I mean, they're not perfect. Don't get me wrong, but they're still cool as hell. And I would prefer for them to have more classic of look. Um, my favorite look, though, is coming in two movies. And I will tell you <laughs> when we get there. But um, <laughs> until then, uh, yeah, no, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think that pretty much sums up this movie. Um, it makes me want to watch it again. Personally, I just want to live in this time frame before we see, you know, where they go after this. So, yeah, I think. Man, in delusion that this is the end. <laughs> I was like, oh, it doesn't get better than this. All right. Yeah. Um, I think that pretty much sums it up. I think actually for homework next week, if I'm not mistaken, is actually going to be the Amazing Spider-Man. Is that correct? Yes. Amazing I... Spider-Man 1. Yeah. Nailed it. Pulled it out of my memory. So we're going to be talking about the next iteration of Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield version, the Amazing Spider-Man. And Emma Stone, very excited to see your thoughts on that, as well as I believe we might be getting somebody, so I won't spoil that yet until it happens. But yeah, if you... Guests lined up for both. Yes. The Amazing Spider-Man. Very so, exciting. Very, very exciting. Um, if you've uh, watched it recently, this is perfect, because then you can have a dissertation with us as we talk about it. Uh, if you haven't watched it at all, this is your time. Honestly, I... Th- I'll say this right now. The movies are worth your time. So please definitely check out both amazing Spider-Man movies. And then we shall have that conversation when it comes up. Uh, Sly, where can people find you on the net? You can find me live on TikTok every Thursday for Thirsty Thursdays. You can find me on the Point in Progress (laughs) podcast. And you can find me live every Saturday night at We'll Throw the After Party at After Party SHO everywhere on the internet. Fantastic. And of course, you can actually find me at THT Mario Rivera, uh, which is my Twitter handle. You can also find me over at Point in Progress, where we talk about all the fun things and live streams. We may have a new live stream coming up soon. I'm very excited to talk about that if it happens. Um, but otherwise, uh, Thank you so much, and uh, until next time, class is dismissed. You want society to accept you, but you can't even accept yourself. Should we have to hide? Tomorrow, mankind will know that mutants exist. They'll fear us, and that fear will turn to hatred. Not if we stop a war. 
Not if we risk our lives doing so. We have it in us to be the better man. We already are. It shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States. They're just kids. No, they were kids. You ready for this? Let's find out. The cost of freedom is always high. No one can foresee precisely what course it will take. One path we shall never choose, and that is the path of surrender. Listen to me very carefully, my friend. Killing will not bring you peace. Peace was never an option. <laughs>